Turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. And as you're turning in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, um, I want to just also remind you that we will be having an all-church prayer night on Wednesday. And I can't think of a better place to be on Wednesday at 6.30 than over in the chapel because prayer should be an integral part of any church's life. But um, especially now, as we are uh, having the process of seeking our new pastor and, and dealing with the need for wisdom for our leaders and for all that's happening in our nation and all that's happening personally in your lives, if God leads you, if God's leading you to come to prayer meeting, we do this once a month over in the chapel on Wednesday at 6.30, I want to ask you to respond to that because, you know, it's, there's strength in numbers. And uh, think about that and see if God's leading you there on Wednesday. In the meantime, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, I'll pray for the word today. God bless us now as we come into your word and um, we need to hear from you every Sunday and all the days in between us, Eric brought up. We need to be in your word and be hearing from you. We need a special uh, word from you, Lord, this morning. Give it to us and help us to go out of here um, being well-fed from your word. It doesn't really need to be embellished that much. It's, it's, it's from you. It's from the Holy Spirit. And so speak to us through your word. And for each person that came in here, whatever their situation is, just apply this word to their lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. David Jeremiah is someone who I love to hear preach. I just do. Um, and he tells an old story about a man who was trying to fix his TV antenna in the days when such things existed. You remember TV antennas, anybody? Okay. <laughs> I'm finding that I'm dating myself on these illustrations more and more all the time. But anyway... As this man was on a slanted slate roof trying desperately to get the antenna rotated in the right direction so that he'd be able to watch the football game that was going to be on later that afternoon, in his hurry, he lost his grip on the chimney and began to slide down the roof of his house. Finally, slipping over the edge of the roof, he caught himself by the ends of his fingers on the ends of the eave trough, and he was dangling there by three stories above the ground. And in his desperation, he looked down and began to cry out, Can anybody down there help me? And there was absolutely no answer. Finally, in one last act of desperation, he looked up and yelled, Can anyone up there help me? And out of the heavens came this deep, resonant voice, Believe and let go. And after a moment of thought, the frightened man cried out, Is there anybody else up there that can help me? Faith isn't always so easy, even when we're, uh, we're really desperate. Faith is not always easy. But I believe, personally, this is just my personal belief. I hope you agree with me. I believe that almost, if not everything that God allows into our lives, now I'm including trials and delays and challenges and stresses and roadblocks, Difficulties, problems, opposition, obstacles, dilemmas, even the, the mountaintops and the great victories, 
I believe that sovereignly, these are designed by God to do at least one thing, at least one thing, and that is this, to help deepen and strengthen and develop and season and grow our faith in him. You can take that to the bank. Whatever you're going through today, at least one reason you are is because God wants you to grow in your faith, to have your faith deepened and seasoned and matured. Okay, we don't always like that, but that really is, I think, true. God doesn't want us to stand still. He doesn't want us to stand still. He wants to grow us up, whether we like it or not. He knows that he is glorified and we're blessed when we grow in faith. Do you agree with me? Okay. Now, I gotta say this before we get into the meat of this message that before we talk about faith for the Christian that we are saved by faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace, we're saved by grace through faith, for by grace you're saved through faith. That doesn't even come from yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one could boast. By God's grace, we're saved through our faith, and God gives us that faith to believe. Okay, that's the very, you know, the bottom rung here is we're not saved by our works because no works would be good enough, and if they were, we'd boast about it if we did get saved by works. We have to be saved by faith, okay? But for the rest of our Christian life, and this is something we have to be constantly reminded of. I have to be constantly reminded of this. For the rest of our Christian life, after being saved by grace through faith, we live and grow by faith. We live and we grow by faith. And that faith results in spiritual fruit and answers to prayer and excitement about our Christian life. And if you want to get excited about your Christian life, maybe some of it's lost a little fire or there's a little sameness to it or whatever, start again by living by faith and you will grow in the excitement of your Christian life. Someone said that faith is both our obstetrician and our pediatrician. Okay, by one we're born into the Christian life and by the other we grow in the Christian life. And today we come into that great chapter, chapter 11, that many of you are familiar with, that's been called all kinds of things. It's been called Faith's Hall of Fame or God's Hall of Faith or the Heroes of Faith. And it has 27 named people of faith and then a bunch of people that are unnamed, that honored God for their faith in him and his promises and had amazing results in their lives. And we can have that in our lives too. It's really quite a list. And we're gonna go through this list in the weeks and months and and multiple years to come. We're going to go through this list. It's a big list. Um, But first, I want to start on the very bottom level, like a pastor friend of mine said, he always liked to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. And that's what I want to do this morning, because I think uh, that what we need to do first is understand how what faith is. We need to really start at the bottom level. It's important for our Christian growth to understand what faith is and how to incorporate it in our lives on a daily basis and to live like these great saints and experience that wonderful faith life that they experience. 
and acquire the answers and the blessings that God wants us to have because often the missing element in our Christian life is faith and we want to avoid that. We want to avoid missing the blessings of living the faith life or living by faith. And so the title of the message today is Living the Faith Life. And we're gonna look at verses one through three and then verse six. We'll get into the Faith's Hall of Fame starting next week. And the subtitle in the form of a question is, how do we live by faith? Living the faith life, how do we live by faith? And the first thing we need to do is understand the meaning of faith. Or what is faith? And if you look at verse one of chapter 11, it says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Okay. And some versions, the newer NIV uses the word confidence there. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for and certain, being certain of what we do not see. Let's start with that. Faith is, is, it is being sure or having confidence in what we hope for. And I'm gonna throw out a couple definitions of faith and hopefully you'll file them, if not with your pen in your margin, at least in your mind. Faith is living in such a state of hope that it gives us absolute assurance that something from God is going to happen. The Greek word for being sure, which is used in the old NIV, and also translated as confidence in the new NIV, NIV is, makes us understand faith as the following. Faith grabs hold of what is hoped for as something already real and substantial. It's already happened, even though it hasn't happened yet. It's the present-day confidence of a future reality. It's also being certain or accepting or believing or trusting of what we do not see. In spite of all the obstacles, faith is being certain of what we do not see. Now, what is faith not? Faith not is not wishful thinking. Faith is not a positive attitude. Faith is not optimism. Faith is not a hunch. This is what faith is. It's the present confidence in God of a future reality that hasn't happened yet. Another definition. I'm giving you a lot of definitions, but... The best way to understand something is say the same thing in many different ways, okay? So, faith is a dynamic certainty about what God has promised. It's a solid conviction resting on God's words and his Holy Spirit promises that make the future present and the invisible seen. Faith sees the invisible with certainty. Verse seven is a classic example of that, and we'll get to him eventually, but the example in verse seven is Noah. Noah had confidence in what was going to happen before it ever did. Okay, and I'm just going to leave that there. We'll really get into that in detail later on. Now, I want to issue an important caveat here so that nobody runs out of the church and says to all their friends, you know what Pastor Mitch said Sunday morning? He said, I can believe in anything I want, anytime I want, and as long as I scrounge up enough faith... I'll get it. Do you know how much damage that type of teaching has done to the church? Lots of damage. That's not biblical faith. Well, let me, let me give you this caveat. Our faith is dependent upon God himself, not faith in our faith, but faith in God himself and his promises and or Holy Spirit 
direction. You with me so far? It's really important to me to know that you are with me, okay? All right? Faith is confidence in what God has promised in his word or a legitimate leading by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Thank you. Okay? Now, there are many things that God says he'll give us in the scriptures. Guidance, provision, he'll give us, he promises direction and strength and endurance and wisdom. Those are all in the scriptures. And I, just to repeat, he'll also give us whatever he leads to give us by the Holy Spirit. But let us be careful about calling it as from the Holy Spirit when it's really from ourself. And that's where people get into trouble. Well, the Holy Spirit told me. Did he? Well, if he did, awesome. But if he didn't, then be careful. Okay? Because it's not our imagination or our will or our wishful thinking. And then producing enough faith in our flesh to get what we want. You, you see where I'm coming from? It's legitimate promises in the word and legitimate leadings of the Holy Spirit. And just to tell you, God has given me one or two promises through the Holy Spirit that are not in his word. I believe uh, that God has promised to come through for me in this area or areas. And it's not specifically uh, marked out in scripture, but I believe it's from the Holy Spirit. But I don't say those things in a cavalier manner, in a casual manner. But if God leads you by the Holy Spirit, then believe him in faith. Amen? All right. Number two, in order to live the faith life or to live by faith, we must understand the meaning of faith and then we must understand or study the members of God's hall of faith or faith's hall of fame. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there are 27 of them named and then a bunch of them that we don't know their names. Okay? But one of the best ways that we can learn about something and in this case, about living the faith life or living in faith is through examples, through examples. Right now I'm learning from an example in the Bible. His name is Samson, because I'm in Judges right now. Samson is a great combination of really, really uh, good faith and really, really bad faith. You know, you can learn as much from a good example as you, or a bad example as you can from a good example, right? And that goes for all areas of life. Okay, we learn from good and bad examples. Good and bad examples in sports or in medicine or uh, in preachers. And I say that, you know, with a heavy heart. Or parents. Or there's so many uh, ways we can learn from good and bad examples. And faith is no exception. And here we have the members that God has specifically inducted into Faith's Hall of Fame. Now, if I was to, let me, do, let me, let me pull you into act, the sermon. Uh, what Hall of Fame is in Cooperstown? The Baseball Hall of Fame. What Hall of Fame is in Canton, Ohio? Football Hall of Fame. A little harder here. What Hall of Fame is in Springfield, Massachusetts? Crickets. The Basketball Hall of Fame. Now I'll give you the, what I thought was my hardest one. What Hall of Fame is in Cleveland, Ohio? Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
and let's all rebuke that person after the service <laughs> for saying rock and roll in the church. I like rock and roll, sorry. If it honors God. Um, the best of those areas are in that hall of fame. The best of the area of faith is here in face hall of fame. Now, uh, obviously, this is for a later, as we, as we go in the next weeks. Can't do it today. But you gotta study them, okay? To live the faith life, um, to, to live this all-important spiritual lifestyle of living in faith and by faith and seeing the blessings of faith, we need to understand and look at the examples in God's hall of faith or faith's hall of fame. And so if you want to live the faith life, and you do because it's really, I use this word probably, I shouldn't, but I, I want to say it, it's really fun. It's really hard sometimes, but it's really fun to see the results. And you gotta fight for them. But if you wanna, if you wanna live the faith life, live your life by faith, you need to understand what it means. And don't get your, yourself twisted into some of these false teachers that just proliferate all over the place, right? They are. All you need to do is scrounge up enough belief. You can have anything you want. No. Biblical, according to the Holy Spirit, period, end of story. And that's plenty, isn't it? That's plenty. Okay, and then we need to understand the, the members of the God's Hall of Fame, and I, I'm going to promise you, and you pray for me, I'll give you these members uh, throughout the coming weeks. But thirdly, if in this, wow, I'm so excited about this third point. I so am. Thirdly, we must understand the foundational principle of faith if we're gonna live the faith life. You know, I, I failed to read that second verse. Verse two, this is what the ancients were commended for. Okay, so we're gonna study the ancients. I didn't read that, but that's there. And then third, we must understand the foundational principles of faith. Verse three, by faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. I'm gonna read that again. Um, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And I really am desperate this morning that you understand this because this is a huge deal. Okay, so here, here it is again. We must, if we're gonna live the faith life that God not only wants us to live but has commanded us, us to live, he said the just, that's you, will live by faith, not just for salvation but daily. If we're gonna do that, we need to understand the foundational principle of faith or we're gonna go nuts. Verse three, now what is the foundational principle of living the faith life in the midst of our trials? or when we need wisdom, or direction, or provision, or clarity individually, or as a whole church. Please, please, my goodness, please, hear this, please, personally, and as a body. Okay, what is the foundational principle? To claim the promises in God's word or the ones that he gives us. It's this, the overwhelming creative power of God to make something out of absolutely nothing. 
That has to be front and center in our minds if we're gonna live the faith life, that God can make something out of absolutely nothing, okay? Even when there's no hope in your situation, no way out or through, no light at the end of the tunnel, no clarity on an issue. You can't figure it out. Maybe you're younger and you say, who, who am I gonna marry? Or what's gonna be my occupation? Or, or you're, you're, you've moved on in years and you say, you know, I wanna make a switch in my occupation or I'm facing this financial shortfall. Whatever it is, whatever it is, you and I have to remember that God made all things out of nothing. And he is more than happy to do that in our situation. I love it. And if I seem excited about this this morning, I'm faking. No, I really am excited about it. I really am. Because this describes so much of what we go through, right? And, and we just don't know what to do, where to go, how to proceed, what's gonna happen. But God creates things out of nothing. It says the universe, universe was formed at God's command. The universe here could be translated worlds. That is the entire physical universe, including its operation, administration, complexity, order, and cohesion. And he did it with how many words? Hint. You guys, are, are you with me today? How many words? One word. The word is rima, the spoken word. Everything. All, in Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made their starry host by the breath of his mouth. How many stars did God make? Scientists estimate 10 octillion. That's 10 with 27 zeros after it. And now I would say that's a lot. But you know, if you know me, you know I love doing what I'm about to do here. I love talking about the universe because it inspires me. I saw a picture of the sun, a close-up picture of the sun. Uh, this, I think it was early in this last week. And it just caused me to worship God. And it was showing solar flares coming off of it. And this is just one grain of sand of our universe. Well, let me read what R.K. Hughes says about the universe. The nearest star in our very al average galaxy, Alpha Centauri, is 25 million miles away. Our glorious sun that fills our sky and lights our days is but a mere speck in our galaxy. The huge star, and I don't know how to pronounce this, Betelgeuse, something like that, is 27 million times larger than our sun. It would take 14, 25 million mile trips to travel the diameter of Betelgeuse. All that, and yet our galaxy is only one of 100,000 million other galaxies. And he did it in one word. And you know what? He could do it every second for eternity and never create the same universe twice. I got another one here. I, I, I just like talking about this. It says in Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or rulers, dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, We're talking about Jesus. 
and by him all things hold together. Okay, now in thinking about our solar system, we can glimpse the scale of things if we think of our sun as the size of an orange, which would make the earth the size of a grain of sand circling around the orange at 30 feet out. But within our galaxy would be 100,000 million oranges, each separated from its neighbor by a distance of 1,000 miles, and there would be 100,000 million more galaxies like our own galaxy, each having 100,000 million oranges, some, and some of the oranges would be more than 27 million times bigger than our orange. Wow. And then verse three also continues on. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Not only did he say it with one word, he created it out of nothing. And if you want to bend your brain, get a brain cramp, think about nothing for a while. What is nothing? Nothing is nothing. Nothing is not a thing. And out of nothing, God made it all in one word. So what problem or dilemma is too great for God? What conundrum, what, what confusion, what difficulty, what need for direction or wisdom is too much for God to give us if we trust him in simple faith? What's too hard for God? Let's just put it that way. You're confused, you're in need, you came into the church in a situation, and we all did, but because of who God is and his ability to make all things out of nothing, we can trust him in faith for guidance and resolution and wisdom in his time and way. Let's go to number four. To live the faith life, or to live life by faith and receive what God wants for us in his time and way, because he'll want to stretch in and deepen our faith. And we need to understand that the, the meaning of faith, verse one, the members, we'll study them as we go along, the foundational principle that God created all things by one word out of nothing. And so he can certainly deal with my situation if I exercise faith, and that's where we come to the fourth one. We must understand the necessity of faith, verse six. The necessity of faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Absolutely nothing from men can please God apart from faith. Now that goes for salvation because we cannot work our way to heaven. None of us are good enough. God's law brings us up short brings us under condemnation, so we need, by God's grace, we exercise faith in his atoning work on the cross for our sins and receive his forgiveness and receive Christ as our Lord and Savior by faith, by grace through faith, rather, but also for the Christian life. Without faith in the Christian life, it's impossible to please God. And may I say this respectfully? I'm not thinking of one person here this morning. But many Christians live their life without any faith at all. It's just not part of their spiritual DNA. And they walk through the Christian life doubting God or not appropriating what God wants for them by faith. Okay? And so the writer here says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For a couple reasons. Number one, 
because of who God really is. If we don't have faith in God to come through for us, we're denying the attributes and character of who God really is, right? And who is God? Well, I, I don't think I'm gonna be able to preach on that subject this morning altogether, but God is um, loving. First John tells us God is love. He is caring. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. He's benevolent, giving, holy, generous, kind, and all-powerful. If we don't exercise even a mustard seed grain of faith, it's denying who God really is. And God's not going to respond to people who deny who he is. Okay? Without faith, we're calling God a liar by downing his word and his character. And we can't live in denial of God's character and expect to receive him from him what he has promised. James 5, or James 1 rather, verse 5 is very clear. Verse 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all, his, all he does. And I used to read that and go, that's not very nice of God to do that. But you can understand that if we don't even believe that God is who he is, why should he bless us with the fulfillment of his promises in the word or of what he has directly said we can have by the Holy Spirit's leading? Okay. Only belief in the existence of the true God, the Bible, God of the Bible, counts. We don't need full knowledge of it, but we need to believe that he is who he says he is. And when we need to exercise faith to live the faith life for our circumstances and problems and needs and struggles, I guarantee you that Satan will move in and try to cast doubt about God in your mind and in my mind. Just, just count on it. Just count on it. Satan's desire is to get us to doubt God's existence or his true nature. And, and, and that doubt can become a faith killer. Okay. Now the second reason that we need to understand the necessity of faith is if we don't exercise faith, we're going to naturally revert to what? Sin in the flesh. Doing ourselves. Okay. Which God does not honor, by the way. God, at the believer's judgment, God will burn up everything that didn't come from the power of Christ. Check me on that. And Jesus rebuked his disciples for that kind of faith. He said, oh, you of little faith. They were trying to do something on their own. He probably meant more likely, oh, you who are not exhibiting any faith at all. Well, let's go to the last one today because it's probably... Well, I won't say it's the most important, but it's, it's important. If you want to live the faith life, if you want to take the next step in your walk with God and really experience his promises and his leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, you've got to understand the meaning of faith. You've got to look at the members of Faith's Hall of Fame, and I'm just telling you this for your mental well-being, spiritual well-being, you and I need to understand the foundational principle of faith. And we should always have it in our hip pocket as we're walking through life, and that is God can create anything out of nothing. 
I don't know what you're facing today, but put that in your hip pocket when you go out of here. And then we need to understand that faith is a necessity. And finally, this morning, we need to understand how to activate faith in our lives. How do you activate it? Okay, and I, I believe you came in with a situation, didn't you? You don't need to say answer out loud, but you did. You came in with a situation. Everybody has a situation or situations. You came in here today. How do you activate this so God be, is working? Well, four things in this last half of this last verse, and then we'll close. Okay? And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone, that's number one, who comes to him, that's number two, must believe that he exists, number three, and that he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. And you say, well, I do all that, do you? Be careful. Let's look at him. Anyone. I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit put anyone in there. Because sometimes I think people in the church, or even me, um, say, you know, that's for, that's for pastor so-and-so or spiritual leader so-and-so, and that's not for me. But what's the word here? Anyone. I love it. You don't have to be spiritual superman or spiritual superwoman of faith. What did Jesus say? How much, did he say how much faith was necessary to move mountains? How much? A mustard seed. How many people here, don't raise your hand, Cannot conjure up a mustard seed of faith. Do not raise your hand. Everybody agrees with me on that and with the word of God. All you need is a mustard seed. These are Jesus' words. If you have faith, is a grain of a mustard seed, the smallest garden seed in the world at that time. If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, you go from here, to there and nothing will be impossible unto you. In other words, if God promised it or the Holy Spirit's leading it, if you have even a faith as a grain of a mustard seed, it will be done. Count on it. Count on it. And you say, I just don't know if I even have a grain, faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Then ask God for it and he'll give it to you. We'll get up to chapter 12 and it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our What? of our faith. He's the author and the finisher. So, okay, Jesus, I don't even have a mustard seed in this situation. Would you give it to me? Would you think of just say, no, go away? Of course not. The, the, that man said that to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I, un, I, I believe. He's saying, I really am a hard time believing. Help my unbelief. Give me faith, Lord, for my situation. Secondly, so, so you are not aced out of this whole thing because you're not spiritual superman and spiritual superwoman of faith. All you need is a must. It's not great faith in God. It's faith in a great God. Okay. Number two, you must come to him. You gotta come to him. And this is where some of us really stub our toe. Okay, because this is really simple stuff, but it's not easy. The same word here for come to him is used four other times in the book of Hebrews and is translated draw near. It's what we used at the uh, last words on perseverance part one where while we're waiting for Christ to return or are, are, are going to be with him, uh, we need to draw near to God. That's one of the things, and that's prayer. 
in worship and prayer. In other words, in spite of the anxiety and uncertainty and fear and threatening circumstances that want to strangle us, and, and, and personally or corporately as a church body, um, we need to come to him and worship him and pray to him. And that can be hard because things can distract us, right? But it's necessary and essential, period. And I would put this in the form of a question. How many blessings and promises have we missed out on because we haven't drawn near to him in our time of need? Number three, we must believe that he exists. If we're gonna activate faith in our life, it's true for anyone, we need to come to him, but we just believe that he exists. And you might be thinking, he's writing to Jewish Christians here. <laughs> Why would he write, we must, he must, we must believe that he exists? Of course they believed that he existed. But that's really not the meaning here, that I'm not an atheist. That's not what it means here. In other words, why does the writer say this when he's writing to Jewish Christians who already believe in God? He's not writing to convince them of the existence of God, but that they and we must believe that he is the God who he says he is. And he says it in the Bible. All the more reason to get into God's word if you want to increase your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The great creator who holds it all together and who split the Red Sea and who sent his son to die for us is also the God who is willing to and able to work on our behalf when we need him to. It's not that, okay, God exists. End of story. No, the God of the Bible exists. The God of the Bible exists. Stephen J. Cole makes an interesting point here. He says, his readers were under imminent threat of persecution. And when you have done what is right and you get persecuted for it or you're going through hard times, the devil comes to you with doubts about God. He whispers in your ear, you repented of your sins, you trusted in God, but look what's happened to you now. If there was a God in heaven, would he let you be treated this way? Although Jesus did not yield to the temptation, Satan threw this at him while he hung upon the cross. The chief priests, scribes, and elders mocked him, saying, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he delights in him. The enemy was trying to get Jesus to doubt God's love, his power, or his, even his very existence because a God who is unloving and weak is not really God at all. When the author says that we must believe that God is or exists, he means we must believe that God is exactly who his word reveals him to be. And then, not only is it anyone, and not only do we need to come to him and believe that he is who he says he is, he exists, he exists, to activate the faith life for ourselves. Lastly, here it says, and we must believe that he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. And I, like, I, just, I just paraphrase this in my own words, but I said we must believe that he comes through for those who earnestly or diligently seek him. Proverbs 18, 17, God says, I love those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me. I love those wills, don't you? I love those who diligently or earnestly seek me 
and they're going to find me. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jesus was very explicit himself in the Gospels in Luke chapter 11, verse 10. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. There's an increasing intensity there. And it's not just enough to believe that he is. We must also believe that he rewards those who diligently, earnestly seek him. We've got to believe in faith that he, he wants to work on our behalf. Now, this is just my word. I like to inject my words into this whole thing. But I found this to be true in my life. Faith living is a fight. It is a fight to overcome our flesh and doubts and satanic attack. And when you're in that hurricane, right? In that realm of confusion or difficulty or whatever it is, it's a hurricane and you have to fight to appropriate God's word and fight to exercise that mustard seed of faith. But God will come through and reward you. But it's a fight, and I'd be lying to tell it if I said to you, you know, this is just something you can do, you know, like in your spare time, you know. That's a joke. It's a fight. But God is generous, and he is kind, and he's personal, and he's loving, and he's gracious to those who seek him and trust in him, and he will reward them. It's interesting. Just before I get to my conclusion here, the Hebrew word that is often translated seek here, okay, down here, seek, and without faith it is impossible to please God, but anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That word in the Hebrew language means to beat a path underfoot. <laughs> in other words, the idea is that if you, if you went to visit your neighbor a lot, you'd beat a path through the grass to his door. We got kids living in our neighborhood now and for some reason, they don't respect the boundaries of our lawn. So to get from one kid's house to another kid's house, do they walk around, my lawn? No. I feel like one of those old guys. Get off my lawn. I finally gave up, because it's not that big a deal, and our lawn is kind of ugly anyway, right? So, but um, as far as where grass decides to grow, but it means to walk on a lawn or on a path so much, or on a lawn that it beats a path. You've got a path going. And I love those kids, and I don't care. I'm not going to be the grumpy neighbor, right? But that's what it means here, to beat a path through the grass to your neighbor's door so many times and so often that, uh, or to, to, be, to walk that, to, that you beat a path there. And that's how often we need to beat a path to God. But i got to tell you, the results are so sweet. When God just comes through, Amen. It is a blast. So let me close with this, okay? Because there is a payoff. The payoff of the, is the fulfilled request that comes with diligently seeking our needs in faith. Okay? Now, my question as I, as I try to wrap this up is, and it's a rhetorical question, come on, I'm not kidding you, but what's out of bounds with God if we approach his promises and Holy Spirit leading with faith? What's out of bounds? 
And the answer would be, not a thing. Not the one who went, be there. And it was all here. And out of nothing. This is not heavy lifting for God. Okay, what's out of bounds? Nothing. Is the need for his leading in your life out of bounds? No. Is the need for your, uh, for wisdom, for a decision out of bounds? You can say no out loud if you want. No. Is the, is the need to properly deal with some kind of opposition or, or a need for resolution out of bounds? No. Is, is, is the need to give you endurance for your circumstances until he is ready to resolve it out of bounds? No. Is the need for your situation out of bounds? No, and the possibilities are unlimited. I'm just letting the Holy Spirit talk to you about your stuff. Okay? Personally, what did you come in here today with? Is it out of bounds for God to work in his time and way if you exercise a mustard seed grain of faith? No. What an encouraging message. And now I want to switch up. What about our church? Corporately, what needs are out of bounds for God to meet if we exercise faith in his promises and his Holy Spirit leading? What need? None. How about the need for a new pastor? No, not out of bounds. How about the need for finances? Mm, Not heavy lifting for God. How about replenishing in his time the elders? Is that out of bounds for God? I don't think so. Because it's in his what? Word. How about the need for even more unity? Not out of bounds for God. How about the need for him to move in gifted people to help the church? Not out of bounds for God. The answer is this, faith in all the creative power of God. It's time for faith. Time for faith. Faith that takes the future promises of an all-powerful, caring God and makes them real in the present when they haven't happened yet. I'm stoked about it. I'm stoked about believing God in faith for this. I hope you are too. He wants to do it. And it's fun and it's spiritually stimulating to watch God work as we exercise faith. What area is God challenging you, stretching you in, stretching you to trust him for what blockage, roadblock, problem, wall, fear, frustration, or uncertainty or unknown personally or as a church? What seems so difficult or even hopeless? Don't whine, don't complain, don't be stiff-necked. Just because you feel in over your head, trust him in faith. And in his time, in his way, watch him respond to us personally and to the church in wonderful, miraculous, interesting, and creative ways. And watch yourself grow in the faith as he does it. You'll grow. He's waiting to grow your faith. And I'll tell you this, 
it's, tr- it's becoming more true in my life. I- I'm just taking baby steps now, but the more we exercise our faith, the more faith we'll have to exercise. And I would be remiss to say, as I close right now, I would re- be, be remiss to say that salvation comes through faith. Amen. By grace, through faith. And maybe you've never exercised faith to believe that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came to this earth and became human flesh and live a perfect life and then receive all of our violations of God's holy law and character and all of our sins upon himself on the cross and shed his perfect blood to cleanse you of your sin and upon faith that he is the son of God and he died for your sins, receive him into your life. If you do that, that he will make you a child of God with the hope of heaven forever. That's called saving faith. And if you've never done that, start at that bottom step and then move in to the faith life, okay? I wanna close with, Dylan, where are you? Must have been reading my mind to, I was thinking, man, what I'd like to sing to so sweet to trust in Jesus. I never made, got the phone call to you, but. Well, what did we sing this morning? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more.